welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is fun. This is fun. The, we're like real life friends. So these are always fun interviews where I'm like, okay, we have to start recording so that we can. Yeah, I talk know. About I the feel things. Like we talked for 10 minutes and wasted so much good content. Like I know, that. right? I'm like, oh, dang it. We should have been recording. <laughs> so you do all of the things you wear. You wear all the hats. Many with, of them. Many yes, of probably them. Should, uh, probably should wear less. <laughs> no. So podcaster, author, business coach. A lot of things. It's a lot of things. I'm missing some for sure. You do speaking, you do all the things, but you have a book that comes out. It's April 5th, right? Yep. April 5th. Embrace your almost. Mm -hmm. This is your second book. Yeah. Which feels really weird to say. Like, yeah, I feel like, like, wait, I totally just published the first one and it's like, I do feel like the first one just came out. Like, I feel like, oh, I do because I feel like it came out. This is, this has been the last like two and a half, three years. It's like, it came out in May of 2019. I had kind of a whirlwind of a couple of months after that came out. Then my life kind of fell apart at the end of 2019, early 2020. Then the world kind of imploded two months later. Then my life fell apart again later in 2020. And then it's just been like this, like crawling and scratching to get back up and like get this book done and do all the things for the last year and a half or so. So it just kind of feels like I blinked and a lot yeah. has happened, but it does not feel like that much time has passed. It's so yeah. wild. Well, I mean, the last, like, I keep finding myself like, do the last two years count? Like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> what, and I also am like, are that? we saying two years? It's only been two months of this, right? Like it's right. just. Except this, I think this week that we're recording is the two year, like anniversary. I, I was thinking of about the that world, thing. the world shutting down. But anyway, <laughs> talking about better things, tell yeah. us about Embrace Your Almost. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote this book mostly, it kind of evolved into this actually. So the original title was something different. It was still kind of the same underlying message, but what was interesting is as I was writing it, I felt like I just kept running into these almost is what I call it. Meaning like that feel. Okay. So like, let me give you a visual to explain the feeling. So when I was in high school, I ran track one year because all my friends were doing it. Didn't really like track, didn't really care for it, but just like needed something to do. So I run track or I sign up for the track team, but I told myself if they make me run the 400 meter dash, which is a full out sprint one time around the track, you have to do it in like 60 seconds. It's awful. Um, and I had done that once in like middle school. So I was like, if they make me run that, I am for sure quitting. Of course they like make me run that. (laughs) And I was like, dang it. And then my competitive side set in and I was like, now you have to like prove you can do it. So anyways, the first track meet came and it was like, it was like a multi-school meet. So there was not just one other school we were competing against. So I take my spot at the starting line. The guy shoots his gun off or whatever. I don't even know what this is called because I'm not a track expert. I ran one year. But anyways, I start, you know, take off on the races and I'm coming around the last hundred meters of this race and I'm running like as fast as I possibly can. My legs are starting to feel like really jelly, if that makes sense. And I realize I'm neck and neck for first place with the top school in the area. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could actually win this. Like I was getting all like freaked out. 
And for whatever reason, this image that I had seen on like summer Olympics of Olympic runners, like leaning over the finish line popped into my brain. And I was like, oh, that's what I need to do to like finish milliseconds before. Obviously had no experience with that tactic. So decided to try it anyway. And I lean way too fast and way too early. And I just face plant on the track, like arms stretched out in front of me. And it was like truly one of those tragic moments where my fingertips finished like one inch short of the finish line. Everyone blows past me. And I'm like laying there in disbelief. And my crush is like in the stands. And I'm like, just kill me now. It's fine. Just kill me. And the like official comes over. He's like, so do you want to finish? And I look up and everyone's like high-fiving on the other side of the line. I like figure out how to bring myself up to my feet, walk over the line begrudgingly. And of course they like post times on the bulletin board and you're supposed to run it in like 64 seconds. And I ran it in like two and a half minutes. (laughs) I looked so terrible. The point is I almost finished first and then ended up finishing dead last. And I kind of opened the book with that story because how many times in life do we almost get to where we thought we'd be? And then some sort of curveball comes, we trip ourselves up or we trip over our own two feet, or sometimes we have to make the decision to realize, wait, this isn't the finish line or the, like the goal I should be pursuing or the thing I should be doing. Like I, could use the example of someone almost finishing their degree in nursing and realizing yeah. at the last like six months of their four-year career of like, oh, I don't actually want to be a nurse or right. sometimes. So sometimes it's as simple as that. And sometimes it's as devastating as like, I walked through two pregnancy losses. And I share that story in the book where I almost had two babies um, yeah. and both of them were lost. And obviously I'm like breezing through that. But the point is like, whether it's a devastating experience of something almost working out and then not, and then suddenly finding yourself kind of in this like valley of waiting the unknown, trying to figure things out, unsure of how it's ever going to work out, if it will ever work out, where to go from here. Um, or even just the like, dang, you know, my, my life isn't like tragic. I haven't gone through something devastating, but I'm certainly not where I thought I'd be. Like I thought Mm -hmm. for sure by the time I'm 34, I would have two kids and a dog and like be married, but instead I'm living in a loft apartment or like, you know, just not quite where I thought I'd be in life. And so I wrote a book completely about the in-betweens, the not quites and the unknowns, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of about disappointment, but also about those devastating experiences that you end up lying face down on the track with skinned elbows going, where do I go from here? Like, how did I go from being so close to the life that I thought I would have to feeling like I'm at rock bottom really fast? And that was kind of the story of my life the last few years. Like I thought I had the world by the butt. Like, I don't know if that's really like a phrase. My husband's always like, Jay, that's not a thing, but (laughs) You know what I mean? Like yeah, kind of like yeah. the world at your feet. Like you were just like, everything was going according to plan. I was 25. I had just written a best-selling book. My career was taking off. My husband was able to leave his job, come work with me. And then at the end of the year, like we got pregnant and it was just like this check, 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 check. We're checking off yeah. all the boxes in life. Everything's going according to plan. You know, got married at 22. Like I never waited on anything in my life. Any goal I had ever set was like, cool. Like I'm going to work at it yeah. and I would achieve it or whatever. Yeah. And so for the first time in my life between not only double pregnancy loss back to back within six or seven months, but also the world kind of falling apart with all the COVID stuff, it was like personal crisis and global crisis combined to where it affected my business, it affected my personal life. And all of a sudden I was like, we almost launched this program and that got messed up. I almost had a baby and that went wrong, like one thing after another. And so the book is really meant to be like, where do we go from here? And it's a guide to not only finding contentment where you are when you find yourself not where you thought you would be but also getting really clear about where am I going yeah, and why? Because sometimes it's in those almost and those not quite and those in-betweens that you kind of have the chance to pause yeah, in a way that when you're just running full speed of, after the next thing, you don't really stop to think like, why am I doing what I'm doing? What should is, what, should, what is right for me to be doing? What should I be doing? And sometimes it's in those really like hard 
disappointing moments that are kind of like an opportunity. I hate to say the word opportunity because it doesn't feel positive, but yeah, kind of is that first opportunity sometimes that gives you the perspective shift and helps you get clear because that's what I experienced like through my almost the both, both the really heavy ones and the lighter ones in my life over the last few years, but also just in general, it was interesting because I felt like it was in that moment that I started to really reevaluate a lot of the things I thought I wanted. Like I thought I wanted to be Chip and Joanna Gaines and Mm. remodel our old house. And we realized that was a stressor and not necessary in this season. Or I thought I wanted to like do certain things in my business. And I realized that's actually really stressing me out and not actually a priority to me, but I think I need to do it because I see other people doing it or because it sounds good or because I need to outdo my last performance or whatever. So anyway, the book is about finding contentment and clarity when you find yourself in those in-betweens, not quites and unknowns. Yeah. I think waiting isn't sexy. No. And so like, there aren't a lot of like books or guides or conversations happening about the in-between. I feel like there's a lot of conversations about the really high highs Mm -hmm. and the really low lows. Like there are people talking about loss and, Mm -hmm. and coping with that. But what about the, like, the in-between <laughs> the in, like the act, you know, like figuring yes. it out. I know like you're really open on your Instagram about like this. You had to take this kind of like overhaul of your health. And like, yeah, that probably has felt like this one big in-between of like, totally. yeah, trying, you know, trying different things and this works and this doesn't work. And this kind of worked, but didn't like, well, and that's the big thing is like, the book isn't about loss. The stories yeah. are in there because they were turning points for me but it's not a grief book. It's not a loss book. And it's right. not even really a suffering book. It's that's a part of it. But the, the reason I wanted to hone in on the middle between like when something goes royally wrong and now you're like, uh, okay, I'm not on the mountaintop, but like, I'm trying to recover from the blow that I just experienced. You know, the reality is like most of our life is lived in the middle. Yeah. Most of it isn't lived on the mountaintop. We, but we yes. aim for the mountaintop moment. So most of our life is actually like the trajectory trying to get to the mountaintop that yes. we're hoping for, whether that's getting married or having a baby or building a business or the next like milestone we're working toward buying a home, things like that. But it's sometimes like the journey there is met with this, like getting tripped up or falling down or getting a huge or, you know, facing a huge setback that we didn't anticipate. But the point is the majority of our lived experience is actually in the middle. percent. And when that journey gets longer than we thought it would to a certain thing or a certain goal or destination we're hoping for, I think that's when we can really start feeling disillusioned and discouraged. And so I mean, I know I have. And so it's really, and I, you know, I really think I wanted to give a very realistic take on contentment. Cause I don't know about you, but I feel like in the church, when we hear contentment, we literally think it's like, I think we think that means we just have to be happy, Mm -hmm. like in the place that may be actually kind of miserable, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're really tiring, like just be happy and trust God. And it's like, is that actually what it means? Well, happy isn't a fruit of the spirit. Like (laughs) also that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think about Paul, like, you know, I was just about to say, I think about Paul. Yeah. Paul said like, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. Right. But like, think about Paul in prison. Like, do you think he, right. I love it here. This is the best. Like, yeah. Five stars. I feel like, yeah, five star, five star Airbnb (laughs) review. But, you know, I feel like if we're honest and we, and we consider the reality of that, it's like, he learned to be content in the sense that he learned to trust God in all circumstances and try to make the most of each circumstance he was in and use it for the glory of God, use it for good. But that doesn't mean he wasn't like longing for the day that he got out of prison, right? Just mm-hmm. like when we feel like we're trapped in a middle and in, in between in a season that kind of feels like it's weighing us down, you can simultaneously long for the thing you long for and mm-hmm. look forward to the day that things will change and hope that they will change and even get frustrated that they're not changing quicker while still making the most of the journey and the thing that in the place that you are. 
Mm-hmm. So that's really what the like challenge becomes is let's, let's reconsider what we think contentment is because Amen. we otherwise have this like pressure of like, well, if I'm not like thrilled and happy and you know, joyous and whatever all the time. Like I must be a bad Christian and I must not be doing this. Right. And God's like trying to teach me that. And it's like, I think it more just means relying on him and trying to make the most of our circumstances, but also admitting like these circumstances suck and I'm yeah. ready for them to be over, you know, I think yeah. you can do both. So, yeah. I mean, you and I had a conversation not that long ago and we were talking about like, I, one of the things I say a lot is God has really big shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like he can shoulder our confusion and our like, I, I, I think, I mean, I talk about a lot that I think People are just generally incapable of nuance or any kind of like both, but like there can be both. Like I've been in situations, you know, everybody has their almost like everybody listening to this is like, I know if I'm not in it right now, I can think of a season when I was in it. And it's like, when you were in that, what, as I've grown, it's okay, this sucks. Mm -hmm. And I need it to be okay for me to say to you, God, that this sucks, Mm -hmm. but I trust you. Mm -hmm. We can hold both in our hands. And I think we're afraid to come to God with the like negative feelings because we think we're going to disappoint him. One, he already like, knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you're not hiding anything from him. But I've learned in being honest with him about those things, then it allows him to meet me yeah. in them. And, and I'm not just trying to carry disappointment or fear or rejection or whatever it is on my own, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the whole like yoking right concept is like, he carries it with you. And so, I mean, I, my book doesn't come out until the fall, but I have a whole chapter about how I gave up my dreams of going to law school for a boy mm-hmm. that ended up cheating on me and mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't even end up with. Mm-hmm. And it was just this one big like in between where I was like I dreamed of being a lawyer since I was like 11 years old Mm. and I had just given it up right now what now I'm trying to like piece together like a Frankenstein degree to get out of college because my scholarship has run out what the heck am I going to do with my life Mm. I thought I was going to marry this boy and like everybody most likely has something big or small that's by your like you said like by your own decisions or just by life being thrown at you you land in this place yeah. And what really I think matters is how you function in that, yeah. that place. Like you're going to end up there. Like, let's talk about almost like meeting, getting there, like mm-hmm. almost getting to what you, what you wanted, not even what you thought you wanted. Cause there are some things that you actually do want that you end up on the track with your yeah. fingertips really close to the finish line. Yeah. yeah. What did you, what have you kind of learned in those yeah. experiences? Yeah. A lot of things. I mean, first, I just want to touch on what you were saying about kind of both. I feel like a big part of navigating this season is, is the lesson and the ability to learn how to hold both disappointment and possibility. Yes. And to see the thing that you're hoping for, especially when it starts coming true for everyone else, but you to see that also not, not only as something that's painful, but also as a reminder of what's possible because so often Mm. we immediately default to the negative, like, Oh, it's happening to them. Therefore it won't happen for me. So I just wanted to kind of like emphasize and and just validate what you said, because I think the the art of holding both disappointment and possibility and in the honest way, like you said, of approaching the throne with that, I think is one of the most difficult but refining lessons we can experience. But to your question, just what have I learned in those almost a couple things? One, I would say I have learned the importance of asking what I call the single most important question, which is why. And Mm -hmm. as a result, defining enough. So what I mean by that is sometimes like the whole clarity piece, I think that comes, I often say like adversity can create clarity. And 
in my own almost, some of those really heavy, some of those lighter, et cetera. I feel like I've become more discerning Mm. about what I'm willing to say yes to and what I'm willing to say no to. And I think part of the reason for that is because like you mentioned, sometimes the thing that you almost achieved or almost reached or almost got to whether, whatever it is, sometimes you realize like, oh, that is for sure the right thing. Like sometimes it almost only like solidifies that in you, if that makes sense. So when it comes to like family, that for me was like, oh, this is like for sure a priority. And maybe I had this idea that it was just going to be this like hop, skip and a jump easy thing because I thought that's what I was going to do next. And wow, like what do I need to do to really prioritize that and make my life more conducive to that? And how can I use this season as a time of preparation when I thought that it would be like already here? Yeah. So sometimes those desires or those dreams get solidified. Yes. Other times, some of the other, like, and when that happens, sometimes the other surrounding things become, you realize they're more like a distraction or they're weighing you down. So that for me was like, oh gosh, some of these things I'm doing professionally are actually taking away from making this something that I can prioritize and they're stressing me out or hurting my health or whatever. And so sometimes we get clarity on the thing it is that we're pursuing or on the other, as well as the other things that surround it. And we just kind of get that. So I guess my point is to every goal, including the thing that almost, but then didn't quite work out or just seems to be on hold or isn't happening in the way that you thought, ask the question, why, why am I pursuing this thing? Why is that a priority to me? Because when I started auditing every single thing on my plate, I started realizing like, I don't really have an answer as to why I think I need to like, for example, renovate this house. Like we had bought a house, lived, sit on three acres. Like we thought it was going to be like our chip and Joanna, you know, we're going to make it our Pinterest home. And like the only answer I had for it was like, I don't know, it'd be fun to share on Instagram, our process. Like that's not a real reason. Right. Yeah. Or there was like a goal I had for a project we were launching. And my husband was like, okay, so why is that your goal? Like, why do you want to make that much on it? And I didn't have an answer. I was just like, I don't know. Cause it sounds good. Like, (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we do that. Like we set these arbitrary goals or we just like these arbitrary things we think we should do. And sometimes it's when those, when things don't work out how we thought that we kind of get the perspective shift of like, what actually matters Yeah, and what do I actually want to prioritize? So I guess my point is when you find yourself in those seasons or things aren't working out, just ask why to every goal you have, because then you're going to be able to be a better steward of the things that actually matter to you. Because Honestly, I feel like the world is constantly telling us you can have it all and you should therefore want to have it all, all at the same time. And like they have their own definition of all as well. Yeah. And I think that's what creates this like constant dissatisfaction, even when we do cross the finish line, like the finish line's always going to move if you think like you've just got to have the next thing. So that's why I say sometimes like when you face plant or when you feel like, holy cow, I thought this race was going to take 60 seconds and it's taking 60 days or whatever. Like when the thing takes a lot longer. Yeah. There's something that can kind of, I think when you start asking why and you start considering what it is that you actually value, you start doing the things that are actually right for you and taking action to prioritize those things in a way that when life's just peachy keen and you're moving on quick and, you know, doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, you not only risk burning yourself out, just trying to do it all, but you don't even really know why you're pursuing what you're pursuing. And so anyways, that's like a huge, huge thing that has come out of a lot of this for me is just clarity on like, what do I actually value? what matters to me? Do I care to be the best in my industry? Do I care to be number one on the track team? Like, do I care to break glass ceilings? Like we start asking these harder questions and realizing like, no, I actually care about X, Y, or Z. Right. That's been a huge, a huge takeaway for me in this. That's a huge perspective shift because I think when you start asking the why then, and I think you could probably do it in any order, but then the things that actually matter to you start to kind of like make themselves clear. You know, like if my 
yeah. why is, and you and I have had a lot of conversations recently about like health and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Cause I'm, I think, I feel like I'm like years behind you, like kind of having some of the same realizations in different ways of like realizing I have not prioritized, like what does actually healthy even look like Like redefining what that even looks like. And then taking steps towards it being a priority. Whereas before it's always like priority has been, if I'm being honest, like numbers and benchmarks and goals and stuff like that. But what's really cool is when you start out, I think when you start asking that question, which I feel like I've been asking indirectly, like not as streamlined as you just presented it, but just like, why do I want this? Is it what I want? Then like what you actually want starts to like kind of make a list of its own. And then you can, like, it doesn't necessarily even mean you have to abandon the things that you were doing. You can just restructure them. Right. Well, I always, I talk in the book, I talk about what I call a present priority. And this is actually a really helpful way to reframe priorities. I think, because as I was trying to like sift through all of this and I found like, no, I like, for example, one of the things I got clear on of like, why do I want to grow this business? Or why do I want to do these certain things career-wise? If I was honest, it's like, well, I kind of lost sight of why I originally started this, but the original reason was so that I would have the flexibility so that one day when I had a family, even though that kind of got off to a bumpy start, I would have that flexibility. And I, I kind of realized like, and I want to make sure I create the opportunity for other women, you know, to work from home and have the flexibility they want to have. So that why came back into clear view when I was in like the pit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Otherwise I was just like chasing the next thing. And so when I started reevaluating a lot of this and trying to get clear on like, where am I going? Why? What's the priority? What was kind of interesting is I was struggling to, because I'm like, well, my marriage is still a responsibility and a priority and my work is, and my health is, but like right now I feel like my health is what needs the most tending to. And I don't, I want to be careful not to say, cause I mentioned I had some losses. I don't say like, oh, I wasn't healthy. So therefore I lost babies. Like there's plenty no. of people who wouldn't be considered healthy who go, who don't go through that. Right. So like, right. Point being. I don't think it's a, but if anything, it was more like a catalyst for me to start investigating. And then I uncovered adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues and autoimmune stuff. And like, like eye opening things that 25 year old me who was downing four double shot lattes a day thought I was totally fine because I was young. And so I started kind of uncovering like what's actually going on. And it became very evident to me that the thing that needed the most tending and nurturing and just like attention was my health and well-being, spiritually, physically, et cetera. And so anyways, I kind of realized like that does need to be the priority in this season. I need to get that to a healthier, better, more stable place, but I still have all these other responsibilities. So how do I do that? So anyways, I kind of shifted from thinking priorities to what is my present priority the next three, six, 12 months, like short term. Yeah. And therefore how does everything else that is still a priority or a responsibility or an obligation fall in line with that? So that like, even I touched on the house story before, like my house is still a responsibility of mine. It's something I need to keep up to tend to, to take care of. But I realized, could I do that in a simpler way? Like how Mm. can my home environment better support my present priority, even though that's still an important thing in my life. So that's why after like battling back and forth, because it was kind of like letting go of a vision, we were going to put a front porch on our house. We were going to raise chickens on this property, have our kids running around. Like it was going to be our 10 to 20 year home. And to choose to release that, you know, and release the burden of maintaining three plus acres and remodeling a home while we were also trying to heal our health and our spiritual health and everything, we realized like, yeah, that's something that needs to be let go and we need to simplify. And so after a few months of battling back and forth, we finally sold it and we moved into a simpler, like newer build, smaller property. Yeah. And we said, we can homestead in the future. We can renovate in the future if we want, but it's not the season for that. So our house started to fall in line with it. The way I was doing my business, like I had to start learning how to delegate more, to say no to some projects, to do some things that it's not like I abandoned my whole business. Like I no. still have to work, 
but learning to make adjustments to the way you live or the way you work or the way you manage these other priorities so that they fall in line with what your top present priority is in this season of your life. That's kind of a way to reframe it so that it doesn't feel like you have to hold all of these things as top priorities. They need to get all my attention. It's kind of like, what's the number one thing right now and why? And for me, it was like, for the sake of my marriage and my future family, because me not being healthy does affect all of that period, not healthy, but like not being at my best, you know? Yeah. And so anyways, I think thinking about it in that way can help you make sure everything gets into alignment and in a way that feels sustainable and in a way that feels like it supports the things that you really do feel like I need to work on. And that changes with seasons because it's present you know, like I like that you said this, like, is this months? Is this weeks? Is this years? Like that's because I think we're not great at looking at life as seasonal. I think yeah. like, this is how things are always going to be. Well, and then we get scared to commit to anything as a result, right. because if you commit right. to health being your priority, suddenly you feel like you're kind of going to end up a van. Like, how do you make that your priority for it? It's like, you can kind of, if you like, for example, I took like a year to make it like my healing season, my boot camp season, everything else kind of supported that. And so now it's like, okay, now I've got some disciplines in place. I learned how to create some habits. Like now it's just more natural to do. Yeah. So it doesn't need quite as much like fuel on the fire in that way. It's still being supported. It's still being prioritized, but not to the same level of like, oh my gosh, we need to overhaul everything. Right. So again, I, I, yes, it's the, it's the seasonal, like what needs to be taken care of this year or this month or this quarter. And then once you, then you can evaluate again and say like, right. do I feel like it's in a better place? Is that kind of able to sustain and maintain? Okay. What do I need to focus on now? So, yeah, we, we, as a family have started looking our, at our lives in quarters and it's so much, I don't even make like year long goals or yeah. 2020 Tommy, that's pointless. A hundred percent, but also being like ADHD and I can't keep up with a planner to save my life and all that kind of stuff, like setting year long goals and defining this is, I'm going to consider this year successful. Mm -hmm. If it looks like this almost every single December, I was like, well, (laughs) that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to be, but it didn't mean that it wasn't successful or good or exactly what God had for me. It's just Mm -hmm. January one. Like, I I don't know what December 31 Blake is going to want need be good at, et cetera. And so we've, as a family started looking at our like business as a quarter family as a quarter, like we do sports and quarters, yep. all of that kind of stuff has been so, so helpful because seasons. Yeah, exactly. Seasons. And, and I think it allows us to be a little bit more malleable. I actually wrote about how I started planning in quarters instead of years in the book, because that's why I think it's like same brain, but no, I mean, after, so 2020, it was in January one, I was like, I'm pregnant or no, it was like December. We were planning for 2020. I was like, I'm pregnant. So in August, I need to take a maternity leave. So we need to plan the whole year this way. So we planned the whole year. And then in January, I went through my loss and I was like, okay, replan that. So I replanned that in March, got pregnant again. And I was like, oh, okay. So maternity leave in December instead now. So like, we're just going to take everything after Thanksgiving off into like January planned that whole next year. And then in June, unexpectedly went through a lost second trimester. And I was like, what the actual heck like I would yeah it, it was literally so jarring and so then I was like oh no, no no sorry pause in between those two in March I had like this whole new business plan after the loss I was like okay I guess I'm not taking maternity leave this year then COVID hits and I'm like okay cool so we're not launching all of this what are we doing and so replanned the whole year thinking okay we need to have a different approach blah 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 then got pregnant and found out like a couple weeks later so I'm like oh now I need to add a maternity so point being within the first yeah. year of the year I replanned my year three times and I was like 
forget it. Like apps. So by the third time I was kind of like after the second loss, we were into June at that point. And I was like the whole rest of the year is a wash. Like, forget it. <laughs> but like, I, said, I give up. Like I'm not, yeah, I was like, this. why do I try? Let's just plan for like the next 10 minutes, honestly. So anyways, those experiences kind of challenged me in a similar way to be like, I have no idea what this year is going to bring. You would have asked me six months ago. I thought I had a baby by now, but I'm like right. over here just trying to like survive. So anyways, it, it kind of shifted into how do we plan in shorter increments? And even instead of setting that in stone, treat it more like wet concrete. Like, yes, it's pretty solid. But if in a couple of weeks, something big happens and we need to alter it, it's not like the whole year is getting blown up as a result. Exactly. That's we like for on the business side, like we have our like quote unquote launches mapped out for mm-hmm. the year because I don't tentative have no plan. Like they're tentative, but let yeah. me tell you what I quit doing is writing in a planner and pen because yeah. like you said, like, uh, for me, every single launch, I get sick every single one. And so then I need time after the launch to recover. And so yeah. it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't put launches back to back because, yeah. you know, so I think like there's, there's a, there's a sermon in there about not writing in a planner and pen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sure. make your plans. God laughs like quite literally. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It's been a learning curve and I, and it's yeah. not that you can't plan, but I think it's pairing. I think ultimately it comes down to how do you pair the wisdom of planning with the openness of faith and flexibility and understanding Amen. like this is what I'm tentative. And I'm, we, we kind of do the same thing. We're like, okay, yeah. in this month, we'll probably reopen X, Y, Z, or we'll probably offer this. Right. But until like we get closer, we really don't know what that time's going to hold. Like who yeah. knows what crazy thing could happen this year. Exactly. So yeah, I think yeah. It's, it creates a lot of flexibility and peace in that way. So another thing that you talk about in the book is, is, and we kind of touched on this, like redefining success. Yeah. What has that looked like for you? Because I mean, outside looking in, you're extremely successful. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't really feel that way sometimes, but thank you. But exactly. Um, like, I think part of the problem is that there aren't very many successful people talking about, like, I don't always feel successful. Yeah. But like, but you look successful to me that everybody defines success differently. Yeah, totally. Well, I feel like, you know, this has, it's been interesting because if you'd asked me a few years ago, I'd have been like, oh, success is like doubling my revenue year over year, growing my team year over year. Like, hitting the next bestseller list, whatever, like all those things. Yeah. I'm going into this next book launch. Like, like, okay, this is embarrassing to admit, but when my last book came out, I was so fixated on the freaking New York times. Okay. First of all, for anybody who ever wants to write a book, that is a very subjective thing. I, from a numbers perspective should have been on the list, but yeah. just haven't chosen. Right. So point being, it's like kind of out of your control. It's completely out of your control. It I've is. told my PR, like, I don't want to be on the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like, want I to was, be. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I was so, because that's like the pinnacle, even though it's right. like, not even based on your numbers, based like all my other, anyways. So, but at the time I was like really hoping for that. And then this was like embarrassing story. I always have to relearn the lessons of my book, like when they come out, which is so right. fun. But anyways, so book comes out. We did the whole lot, like book tour, because this was pre-COVID world. Yeah. And did six stops, seven stops or something. And I was like, at the end of like being exhausted, we've been flying all over the country because it was not planned very well. I was going from like North Carolina to California to Dallas. To, it was uh, like, what is happening? So anyway, <laughs> it was crazy hopping time zones every night, flying and then getting up and doing this whole no. tour thing. So by like the sixth or seventh day of this, I was like exhausted, started my period and found out right before my last event of that week that I was, that we missed the times. We hit all the other lists, but I was like, crying in the back of this yeah. freaking like books a million. And there's 200 people sitting out there waiting for me. And I'm like, I don't know why this is so sad. And it's like, I had no perspective anyways, point being that was before a lot of other big things happened in my life. But I had this whole like, like sad, like 
I missed it. My, like I fell just short of my goal, blah, blah, blah. And now I look back and like giggle at that, like naive little girl. But anyways, so right. <laughs> it like, that was success to me though before. And yeah. it's so funny. Cause now I go into this book. I'm like, I honestly don't care. Like, that'd be nice. Yeah. Don't really care. Like, it's just so different because I think I have so much d- deeper perspective, honestly, on like what actually matters. But you know, I feel like some of the ways that I redefined success is I started going, what do I actually want? What actually is working? And I started looking at the things that work well and that feel easy. Like, yeah, I think we sometimes feel bad for saying like, what feels easy or what like works and we're not like forcing it. And so for me, I was like, yes, I mean, I shrunk my team. I had like eight people on my team and shrunk it to like three people. Yeah. It seemed super backwards. And I yeah. just took the whole summer off. I was like, we don't have to be in constant growth mode. Like, yes, we've done a lot in the last few years. I'm young. My priority is my health, my family. Like I could focus on my book and my podcast and this one program and like do fine. And maybe I won't double my revenue year over year. Maybe we won't break seven figures every year, but like, I'm not struggling. I'm very blessed. I'm okay. And so I think just like it comes back down to defining enough and saying, what do I actually need to get to where I want to go or to accomplish the things that are most important to me this year? And to me, it was like, okay, why, what am I pushing for then? You know what I mean? Like, what are we going for? So there was just some like mindset shifts. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? no, we don't have to launch four new things. And no, we don't have to double our revenue year over year. And actually I'm okay if the revenue goes down a little bit, like I just need yeah. to adjust my expenses and some of the other things. And it seemed so backwards, but like so freeing. And I gave myself yeah. like three months to just do nothing, but post on social media, wasn't launching anything, wasn't monetizing a lot and was fine, you know? And yeah. that was actually like the first time in six years of growing and hustling and building and doing all the things that I let myself do that. And I realized like, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's actually going to be okay. So yeah, I think it just, for me, sometimes it looks, and I think defining, redefining success for yourself can look different depending on where you're at and all of that. But for me, I think it looked like stopping actually going backwards. Sometimes we actually have to like, kind of like a slingshot. Like it's actually better to spring to pull back before you can spring forward because it gives you clarity. It gives you perspective. It allows you to audit like everything you were pursuing. And sometimes say, actually, I'm going to shrink or I'm actually okay with plateauing for a while. I don't have yeah. to be constant. Like, and, and that was probably the best thing I could have done for myself, for my mental health, for my marriage, for my family, for my, my team, like so many things. So, well, and it's, we're, we're using this word redefining success, but ultimately what you're doing is defining it for yourself for the first time. Yeah. Like if, because I've been there where you're like letting you know, the world set the bar of what is success. And it's this number and it's this number and it's this number on your genes and it's this kind of, yeah. And like, uh, it kind of goes back to your, the original thing you were saying of like, just asking why, like, like for me, okay. Like just kind of starting a big, like health overhaul. I had to redefine what health is. And for me and my five, two built like a Mack truck, it's not a size two. (laughs) It's just not, I'm never going to be a size two because I don't have the hips or the butt for it. And honestly, my husband would be devastated. (laughs) So like I have to re like, not just redefine, but define it for the first time for myself. It's like being strong and having energy and, you know, feeling flexible and stuff like that. And so, but for so long, I've let Instagram tell me what healthy looks like, or I've let Instagram tell me what business success looks like. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I want it to look like this. Mm. And I think there's so much freedom, like real freedom, not what looks like freedom. You know, we were talking, we talked like very briefly before we started recording about, you know, there's very famous families Mm -hmm. that have made their living off of telling you what success looks like while also like 
their life is crumbling. Their <laughs> life is while actually not having it, like right. while actually not having a thriving marriage and nannies are raising their kids, which like whatever, mm-hmm. but like, don't portray one thing and actually be living another. And I think yeah. that's a huge part of the problem as well as like yeah. how many people just aren't even being honest. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, that's why, like, I think for me, it was, it, it started as an experiment. Like, am I, would I be okay if, you know, if I wasn't growing the way that I thought I wanted to, and if, you know, I actually had a smaller business, at least for yeah. these few years, while I'm really trying to simplify and prioritize our family and whatever that looks like. And I realized like, yeah, actually, I'm actually a lot happier. Like, yeah. I mean, I've done the thing I've, I've crossed the milestones. I thought I've crossed the seven figure mark. I've done the thing I've done that. And it's like, I didn't feel any different. Yeah. In fact, I was just really tired. And so it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's not that I'm like not willing to, to cross certain milestones again, if it works out that way, but to like push just to like, say you did it or just to have a six figure launch or whatever, like these ads and these messages were told that we, it's like, man, I was so much happier, like reading books on my back porch with my husband and making half the income or quarter, whatever, right. you know, like that yeah. month or those months. And so it's just, it's really interesting how it shifted, like the type of work I even care to do and the the things that I realized like, no. And I also feel like a lot of times we get really distracted. Like even I often like, this is not a, a, this is not like a knock to dating apps, but I use it as a kind of as a visual. I feel like sometimes the hard part about dating apps, like, you know, you hear about getting ghosted and you like, I'm so thankful. I met my husband, like right before all the dating apps stuff yeah. blew up. And I was like, Dodge that. But thank, like, you anyways, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I just can't even imagine. But point being. I think sometimes like the whole like getting ghosted thing or like we talked for a little while and then he kind of disappeared or whatever. Like sometimes I wonder if like part of the problem with that is like so many people have like a catalog of better options or seemingly better options or the thought there could be a better option out there in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So it creates a like a lot of, I think it can create commitment issues. I'm not saying it's impossible. I have plenty of friends who've gotten married and like yeah. whatnot from dating apps, but it just, I think it can create room for this struggle with commitment on the things on a person. That's like a really lovely human across the table from you, because in your yeah. pocket, there's like a hundred other potentially better options. Right. And I say potentially better with like air quotes around it. And I think the same thing can happen to us in our work or our goals or the things that we care about. Like we get on Instagram and we see what so-and-so is doing and we see what she's doing and they're doing and they're building and they're trying and they're getting, and it's like, should I go back to school? Should I go become a nutritionist? Like, yeah. Should I, should I open a painting business? Like we are just constantly inundated with the most random stuff thinking like, maybe I should do that. Maybe yeah. like we're always seeing potentially better options, whether it's with a house or with a spouse or with a career or with a commitment or a goal. And so it's so hard for us to stay committed to the like decent thing that we've said, this is a priority for us yes. because of that constant quote unquote catalog that we see on Instagram or what have you of what other people are doing and yeah. what other possibilities there are. And so I think that's where sometimes like kind of disrupting this, the crazy train and saying like enough, yeah, this, this is what I've defined as enough for me. And this is what I'm leaning into. It takes discipline. It yes. really does. And it's, yes. it's challenging, but I think a lot of us get really trapped in that cycle. And when you can finally like put a halt to it in kind of an aggressive way, and sometimes it takes something really hard disrupting your life to kind of give you the courage and the audacity and even like the commitment and the willingness and discipline to do that. There's a lot of freedom that comes from that. And there's a lot of contentment and clarity and like sense of purpose that comes from it. And that's like really what inspired the book anyway. But yeah, I point being, I totally agree, but I think just keeping that in mind of like, am I getting sucked into like pursuing arbitrary things because it sounds good or I see someone else doing it, or I just like got distracted by it. Yeah. Is this even what I want? Like, yeah. Is this even what I want? I totally, I love that. I think, that's and I think a- Christians, and I don't know if you agree with this. I don't mean to interrupt, but I think Christians no, yeah. have a hard time with that question. A hundred percent. Because we're like, well, isn't it about what God wants? 
<sighs> and it's like, yeah, but here's the deal. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And the more you delight yourself in the Lord, the more your desires will look like his desires for your life. And the Amen. less they're going to look like the world. Yeah. If you are like delighting yourself in the Lord and like walking in and following him, your wants should be aligned with what he values for you. They exactly. Should be, you know what I mean? Like, so I think you don't have to be afraid to ask that question. Cause what you're ultimately asking is like, what do I actually value? Cause the world, yeah. all these ideas are like, you should want a beach house and you should want to this. And then not that those things are wrong, no. but I think it creates this idea of like, when you ask what you want, we immediately mean, think it means like materialistic. We think it means worldly. Right. And in fact, it's like, no, if you're thinking about this appropriately, you don't have to be afraid to ask that question. Amen. I, that's a whole, I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast episode, how Christians have made this weird because I get pushback and I'm sure you do too, mm -hmm. of talking about like, what are your dreams? What do you, what are the ways that God gifted you? What do you want to be out there doing? And people are like, well, isn't it about what God wants? I'm like, yeah, I trust the Holy spirit in people. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's not for me to, yeah. to like make that decision for them. Mm -hmm. I, if well, how else do you discern what God wants? I mean, I think this is the other thing. It's like, I think we expect like this like cherubim is going to be like floating right. on the clouds with this like scroll that's like, hear ye, hear ye. Here's what you're right. supposed to do. When in reality, a lot of that, I think we get that clarity through action, through obedience, yes. through taking one step. And then sometimes we take a step and we're like, oh, sorry, I totally misread that <laughs> signal. You know, yeah. but you don't know that until you try. And I think like, I've heard this, I've heard it said, and I don't remember if I'm going to say this perfectly, but I've heard it said, I think Christians often like expect God to lead from the front. Like, this is what you do. This is what you don't. And when it comes to like matters like morality, yes. But when it comes to like, what am I supposed to do next when it comes to work? Sometimes it's not crystal clear like that. Yeah. Sometimes God actually leads from behind. Sometimes he's like, hey, here's two equally good options, whether it's yes. here's two equally good colleges or two equally good career paths or whatever. And pick one, just honor me in them. Like in either yes. one, it's not like I'm like, you're not going to make the wrong decision if you, and I think we get so tied up on that because we're just waiting for this like, sign to be painted across the sky where sometimes I think, and sometimes we do get that. Sometimes we get just like a clear, yes. like almost kind of a voice from heaven type thing where it just becomes so evident, but sometimes it's not that evident. And sometimes yes. it's actually like, let me just make a decision, honor the Lord in it, run with it. And I'll learn as I go. And if I need to make adjustments, I will like, yes. And that's scary. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to act like that's not scary, yeah. but one of my, if I ever have a quote, that's my claim to fame, I want it to be that freedom is on the other side of th the things that make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that goes for a lot of life, but taking risks is one of them. Like, I think I always, I love the the imagery of Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. the last crusade where he has to like throw the sand out. Like yeah. he has to take that step and then he walks and he throws the sand out behind him. Like mm -hmm. sometimes God just wants you to take that step. I think we yeah. have gotten it twisted that like God's will for his kids is for us to love him and love others. Yeah. Yep. You know, like they're... <laughs> It's not that we have made it so much more complicated than it is. And so I, I can remember being an 18 year old newish believer being like, what if I pick the wrong college and mm -hmm. then I don't get the right degree and then I don't meet my husband. And I feel like God was probably like, okay, you got to calm down. Like, yeah. yeah, I got you. I'm yeah. good. I'm sovereign. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's outside of our understanding. God is so sovereign that he gives us a choice. Yeah. Like yeah. God is so good and so sovereign that he's like, you have the Holy spirit, yeah. make some decisions. You know, if you, if you start to go down the wrong way, he'll usually he'll bumper us, he'll bumper us back in. Yeah. But well, I mean, scary. I mean, true because, and even what you said, like, if I had a quote, that would be my claim to fame. It's just like the reminder that like, we're not powerful enough to mess up God's plan for our Amen. life. Can we walk away from him and like dishonor? And what? yeah. But what I'm talking about is when we're trying to live in alignment with him and it's like this decision or that decision, 
making, choosing A or B, choosing chocolate or vanilla, choosing whatever, like you can't mess up his plan for your life. Like he's like, you said, he's so sovereign. And I think we get so tied up in the small details that we forget the bigger thing. And I think part of that, like confusion around, like thinking about your dreams or your next step or whatever comes from like this prosperity message of like, God wants your dreams to come true. Right. And I often have to go back to like, God wants my heart more than he wants my dreams to come true. So if I can start with that mindset and that like heart posture, then it's like, you kind of are free to move, live and be. It's like, okay, I might make a decision that I realize isn't the right one, but then that also like every small decision adds up. It's going to serve as a stepping stone along your journey. It's going to inform the next right thing. It's not like you're doomed forever. And now you've completely screwed up God's life plans for your life and you're done like that. Just, and I think we get, we spiral there so quickly because we think if I didn't see a message across the sky and it wasn't, as long as it's not out of alignment with scripture and you can honor the Lord in it, like you can't mess it up. You just can't. So amen. That's a word. (laughs) That's a word. So what, like what's next for you? Like you have this book coming out and what's coming up. Yeah. Good question there's a lot of things happening that I'm just like, it's one of those things where I'm like, when do I want to share all of this? But books coming out. And that's like my top priority right now is like, get this thing out into the world. We have a really fun launch party that we're planning. I'm so excited about it. It's like, we got this really sweet venue and we're just, I'm just excited to like kind of be with people and like see them and hear their stories from reading the book. So really in the process of planning that, getting the book out into the world. And then I will probably at some point, a few months later, reopen my mentorship program. That's really kind of become like my signature thing. I have a couple of ancillary courses and offers, but you know, I think, and it's so in alignment with what we're talking about right now, where it's like, what does God want me to do with my life? And interestingly, I mean, my first book was kind of about what do you do when you have multiple dreams and you don't really know what you're supposed to do with your life. And you don't know what you were born to do. This book is interesting because it's more like when you think you've figured it out or when you're on the path toward one thing or another, and it gets completely blown up, disrupted or destroyed, it kind of puts you back into that same place of like reeling and struggling with like, what is the point of this? What's my purpose in it? Where do I go? And so it's interesting because the, the mentorship is literally designed to help women uncover their God-given calling in this season of their life. Because yeah. we often say like, how do I figure out what I want to do with my life? And the whole like premise of the mentorship is like, maybe don't try to figure that out, but let's figure out what to do next. Because yeah. I actually have found, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I feel like most women, especially in like modern day where there's just so many online opportunities and everything else, I feel like every like five to seven years, sometimes less, sometimes more, but that's an average there's this like sense I need to make a change. Either it's because I got married and I moved and I realized the career I was chasing isn't really what I want to do anymore. I had a baby or my, I had kids and they went off to grade school and now I've got all this open time. What do I do with it? You know, it's like, there's these constant changing seasons of mm-hmm. life. And so we often feel this need to make a pivot or a complete career shift or whatever. So that's what this program is meant to help women with. And just to kind of figure out like, okay, let's clarify what God has for you in this season and find like, where do your skills meet your experiences? And how do we turn that into something really fruitful? And so anyways, that's kind of my main thing. And I just, I love it. I've run it a few times now and it's just been so fun to get to see women like get clarity and start running in their, in the right lane for them. And so anyways, I will probably be opening that again this year, but that's fun. Uh, We've just started having like PR and marketing meetings for my book. And I'm like, it's a lot. It's a whole different animal. And publishing is like kind of a unique world too. Like I, I know how to launch a course. I know how to launch a product. But there's something like with, with a book, it's like, okay, you need a launch team and you need a PR strategy and you need an influencer team. And you need, there's just so many pieces. pieces. I'm like, it's a $20 book for heaven's sake, but like <laughs> it's so involved and there's it so is. much like to it. So yeah. Yep. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to share. You're so freaking wise. Thanks for sharing oh, your heart and your brain. By the time this comes out, I think we have this coming out when your book comes out. Oh, so awesome. people need to make sure to go grab the book or pre-order it. And I just love you. I think you're awesome. 
Well, thanks. Well, I appreciate you and your support and encouragement and humor. I feel like just <laughs> keep me entertained and also encouraged. So really appreciate you having me and yeah, thanks. Thanks for everything. It's been really fun chatting. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy Christian podcast. And Hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.